You and me both. Congratulations, sir. I guess we showed him, huh? We sure did. Pipe cleaners, you say? <laughs> he never knew what hit him. Yeah, I, I guess you never know what you're capable of until you're desperate. There you are. 300,000 little heifers. Bless you. <laughs> it's worth every penny. You won't tell them, will you? Ma'am, where would I begin? <laughs> I was a bit worried myself, but just as things began to look their darkest, I looked him in the eye, and I saw something there. It was astonishment, <laughs> confusion, <laughs> nay, even a little fear. I then knew that he knew that he was in the presence of greatness. <laughs> <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. I grew up in the 80s, so I would be remiss if I don't pay tribute tonight to Marky Post, who died today at the age of 70 after a four-year battle with cancer. If you remember Night Court, which I do, which ran from 1984 to 1992 on NBC, she was public defender Christine Sullivan, and then she was later Georgie and Lottie Hartman on the CBS show Hearts of Fire. Night Court was a legendary show, so I thought I would open tonight's Dr. Zeus Film Podcast, because we are going to talk about film, by paying tribute to Marky Post. A moment of silence. She was a great comedian. And she lost her battle with cancer. So... Marky Post, this is for you. And stay tuned, Dr. Zeus Film Podcast, coming back after this. They're still married. There really hasn't been any marriage to speak of since Mr. Kerbopel moved into his little love nest. This profession can put a lot of strain on him marriage since he's been gone i've been looking for a substitute to teach me a lesson i sorely need mrs krabappel you're trying to seduce me <laughs> well I'm, I'm sorry mrs krabappel you're very nice but it's the children i love <sighs> good evening and welcome to the dr zeus film podcast i promise you we're going to talk about a performer an actor who has been called difficult. He's been called brilliant. There's always a method to the madness. Why? Why are we talking about Dustin Hoffman? Because it is his 84th birthday. And I always think it's great to acknowledge people while they're alive. While they can smell the flowers. And he was born Dustin Lee Hoffman on August 8th, 1937 in Los Angeles, California. He has two Oscars. One for Kramer versus Kramer, which broke my heart watching as a little kid and not understanding why those things happen. 
and Rain Man. What a performer. And that was Dustin Hoffman doing a voice guest on The Simpsons in the 1990s, where he played uh, Mr. Birdstrom, the substitute teacher with the heart of gold. There's a lot to be said about Dustin Hoffman. I don't want to fan out. I will pay tribute to my late acting professor or acting teacher from high school, Mr. David Matroni, who died a couple of years ago, who in high school made us watch Tootsie, and I had never seen Tootsie before, and it was hilarious. And he showed it, he showed us this film and said, look, this is before Mrs. Doubtfire. This is before anyone, you know, in terms of the prosthetics and how Dustin Hoffman pulled it off. It was a brilliant, brilliant performance. So I pay tribute to Mr. Matroni for bringing Tootsie into my, my orbit. I loved it. I still love it. I think it's... Dustin Hoffman has done... So many great performances. And it's hard to just pick which one, you know what I mean? There are so many instances. I mean, he played Lenny Bruce. He was in Little Big Man. Remember Little Big Man? I am the sole survivor of Custard's Last Stand. And then he was friends. You know, the times that he was nominated against Gene Hackman or Robert Duvall... They were all friends. They all knew each other. In fact, Gene Hackman called Dustin Hoffman Dusty. Robert Duvall used to live with Dustin Hoffman. I've seen so many of Dustin Hoffman's films growing up. You know, everything from The Graduate. In fact, in The Simpsons, that's where they're parodying, you know, Mrs. Robinson. With Dustin Hoffman, some people, and and I can understand, not easy to work with. I don't think Meryl Streep has ever worked with him since because she described a scene that they did in Kramer vs. Kramer. And like I said, there's a method to the madness that truly, truly is. And then you look at the performance with him and Tom Hanks. In Rain Man. So it it I wanna play a film that is disturbing and it raised a lot of eyebrows because there was this misinterpretation that Lawrence Olivier said to Dustin Hoffman, Oh my boy, dear boy, have you ever tried acting? And of course, that was 1976's Marathon Man. Olivier is playing this dentist from hell, who's a Nazi. And Dustin Hoffman has to endure this torture. Because this man has a drill, a dentist drill. And he keeps saying to Dustin Hoffman, is it safe? I've seen the film and it is truly disturbing. And so we're going to start there tonight 
with Marathon Man. We're gonna we're gonna have a little fun because this I, Dustin Hoffman is he only comes around once in a while. Not and here's the other thing: when Mike Nichols cast him in The Graduate, originally the studio wanted a blonde matinee idol, and that was not Dustin Hoffman. He was this character actor living with Gene Hackman and Robert Duvall in New York and and then going to the Pasadena Playhouse in Los Angeles. Here we go. Disturbing. Oh my goodness. Sir Lawrence Olivier and Dustin Hoffman. And Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman really pulled it together. Now, Lawrence Olivier was bestowed a Cecil B. DeMille Award in 1983. And he said something very profound about Dustin Hoffman. When Lawrence Olivier, and he liked to be called Larry, he didn't like to be called Lord Olivier. Um, this is what he said about Dustin Hoffman. Now, this this was the year that Tootsie came out. And, Hoff, and Olivier liked to pay tribute and, and be... Uh, unlordy you know I'm not unlordy but you know he wanted to be gracious and here we go dear Dustin dear 
uh, foreign correspondence people. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, colleagues and friends, it is a very remarkable situation which I find myself very remarkable indeed. A few more like this, and I shall sort of pass out, you know. <laughs> With a strength on. I uh, was taking a little time off yesterday afternoon to see, uh, not for the last time, only the first time of many times, a great picture and a very, very, very great actor indeed. Uh, the picture is called Tutsi. I have never seen anything quite like Dustin with his uh, incredible balancing out of his various charms. He, uh, first of all, is one of the most charming men there are. Then when he became a woman, he had a quite a different sort of charm. He had a completely female charm. Now comes the trick of it. Somehow, within that, he managed to exude a male charm as well. I don't know how that's done. I, uh, I've been in the business a long time. And that is Sir Lawrence Olivier paying it forward to Dustin Hoffman. A couple of years ago, Dustin Hoffman was un- inside the actor's studio. So let's hear from the man himself. I know it as much as I know anything. I would be doing this, period. I would be doing it if, if I was doing it in community theater, which I loved. If it was the House on American activities that came back where they took all those careers away in the 50s, I, you know, I wouldn't give names. Not because I'm courageous, because I don't, I, I can do it. I can do it anywhere. I can do it here. There's nothing more thrilling than this. There just isn't. It's just, I love to do it. I mean, I, you know, I, I, you can do it anywhere. But uh, Picasso was reputed to have, that's just a wonderful thing. He says, if they took my paints away, I use pastels. If they took my pastels away, I use crayon. If they took my crayons away, I'd use a pencil. If they stripped me naked and stuck me in a cell, I'd spit on my finger and draw on the wall. It's very important to have something like that, I think, or very lucky to have that. You know, it's hard for me to talk about it because it's always easy for him to say he's successful, but I wasn't. I mean, I started studying when I was 17 and, you know, 13 years later, I freak accent and I get this movie. But if I hadn't gotten that movie, I'd still be doing it. I'm convinced of it. Uh, there's no question in my mind whether I'd be teaching at some college or whether I'd go to some repertory theater in Seattle or whatever, I'd be doing it. And I say, go, go, be led. And particularly your age, if you're in your 20s, you know, which I suspect a lot of you are in. Tell my kids it's a question mark decade in a sense. And we're told 
that we should know what we want to do. And it's a terrible thing. What are you going to do? What are you going to be? Well, how can you make a living at that? Well, I'm paying for your college. You got it. No, 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 no. It's a question mark. You're not really going to have this luxury, again, of not knowing. And it is a luxury not to know. You can play. You must do that. You must. Because you're, it's your only way not to go crazy. Because if you're, meaning if you're going to wait for the job, you will die. And that's Dustin Hoffman. Talking about what he knows best. Being an actor. Being a performer on Inside the Actor's Studio. Oh my goodness. I want to visit Tootsie. Because it brings back so many memories of watching it for the first time. And what Laurence Olivier said about that performance. You know, Dustin Hoffman was nominated for Tootsie. And that was the year that Ben Kingsley won for Gandhi. And so it's not about who wins the award. What it's about is the lasting impression of that film. And here we are, 38 years later, talking about Tootsie and why we love it. And why Dustin Hoffman himself never saw it as a comedy. Camera one or two on that. Camera two and tell Art about that. Why am I not right, Mr. Carlisle? Well, I'm just uh, trying to make a certain statement here, and I'm, I'm looking for a very specific physical type. Mr. Carlisle, I'm an actress. I'm a character actress. I can play this part any way you want. Honey, I'm sure that you're a very, you very, very good actress. It's just for? that you're a little bit too soft what? and genteel. You're not threatening enough. Not threatening enough? How's this? You take your hands off me, or I'm going to knee your balls right through the roof of your mouth. Is that enough of a threat? start? Yes, I think I know what y'all really want. You want some girl's caricature of a woman. To prove some idiotic point, like, like power makes women masculine, or masculine women are ugly. Well, shame on the woman that lets you do that, on any woman that lets you do that. And that means you, dear, Miss Marshall, shame on you, you macho shithead. Tom and, uh, John. Tootsie, take ten. Tom? My name is Dorothy. It's not Tootsie, or Toots, or Sweetie, or Honey, or Dow. Oh, Christ. No, just Dorothy. Now, Alan's always Alan, Tom is always Tom, and John's always John. I have a name, too. It's Dorothy, capital D-O-R-O-T-H-Y. Dorothy. Excuse me, doctor. Hey, it's the power of Dustin Hoffman. And Tootsie was, Tootsie's one of his legendary films. It wasn't so much that he's playing a man pretending to be a woman. And that same year, Victor Victoria came out. And I say that where Julie Andrews and Robert Preston are talking. She's like, a man, a woman becoming a man, pretending to be a man, pretending to be a woman. Yeah. And so it was, it was this beautiful year of um, drag. In a beautiful way. Or as RuPaul says, you're born naked and the rest is drag. Yeah. So, I don't just want to play clips and say, you know. <sighs> he, he uh, the films. What, that's what I'd love to, I'd love to have more guests on the show to ask you. What do these films mean to you? What does it mean to you? When you hear that line, 
Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. Remember that? Or, I'm walking here. I'm walking here. And how some of that is totally... Actually, most of it is improvised. To Wapner. Judge Wapner. Remember that? So, what do these films mean to us? That's really what I want to get to the heart of the matter. You think of something like The Graduate. And that it's a coming of age movie. This guy has graduated from college. He's trying to find himself. We're all trying to find ourselves. And it was beautiful that Dustin Hoffman looked like every man. And that is a testament to the brilliance of Mike Nichols. Mike Nichols, who had just come off from doing Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? And then you have to add the soundtrack into the mix. Which we can't play. I would, but Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel are still with us. And they're, they're, it's a beautiful marriage. The Graduate. Dustin Hoffman and the late Anne Bancroft there is so much magic there is so much movement within that film and I think if we listen to Dustin talk about The Graduate Catherine Ross looked quite beautiful. Another girl. You just wash your clothes? Yes. Sit down, please. Why did you wash them? And we rehearse, and Mike wants to do this, I learned later, in a master shot. I couldn't have told you what a master shot was, but the camera was there, and we're here, and then we get on the bed, and it comes over and around, and then it comes over here, and he wants to do 10 pages all in one take moving the camera so maybe he's just working out himself or he's trying to see you know can this guy who's basically just barely been on the stage uh can he do movies can he you know work under these conditions it's not a few lines and then cut would you like the style and both catherine and i kept screwing up we were both violently nervous i haven't said i was going to marry you yet I know that, but I think you will. And uh, Buck Henry, obviously, and Mike had worked on it, and they, you know, they wanted it word for word. And if we left one word out, or they said that's not a period, that's three dots. I mean, it was strict. Fine, uh, and but we weren't getting it, and. I could feel the sweat building up a little bit. This is this was all day with the crew. And uh, Mike takes me aside after God knows the tenth take or whatever. And I go to talk to him and I think, oh, I hope he's gonna tell me thank you, just go back to New York. But he says, you know, you're you're so you you seem so nervous, ill at ease. I says, I am. 
I said, I really am. I, I, I told you I don't think I'm right. And I, you know, I don't think I know the lines that well. I couldn't learn them fast enough. He's, and I remember he said, well, just relax. He says, it's not, a, it's not, the curtain's not going to open. There's no audience. It's not the movie that's going to come out. It's a screen test. We may not even print most of this stuff when we put together the scene. There's, there's no need for any pressure. And I looked at him and I said, okay, thank you. And he put his hand out to shake my hand. And I shook his hand and his hand was so sweaty, it slipped out of mine because he was that nervous. So we finished the screen test and I shook hands with people on the crew. And the prop man, who coincidentally wound up being the prop man on the film, I guess I had a hand in my pocket. And I took my hand out of my pocket and said, and thank you. I basically was apologizing for being there and taking, you know, wasting their time all day. And I took my hand out of my pocket to shake his hand and uh, tokens fell out with when I took my hand out. And the tokens then were about that big. And there's, I don't know, eight of them on the ground. And I start to bend over. He said, no, that's okay, I'll get them. And he gets them, and he, as he's putting them in my hand, he says, here, kid, you're going to need these. Very nice, very sweet, but that was a, a message. And I said, thank you. Parenthetically, when I got the part, the last day of shooting, the hundredth day or whatever, this prop man gave me, and I still have it in my study, a framed, uh, a, a frame with about ten tokens in it. And that's Dustin Hoffman on his screen test for The Graduate. And so, isn't that interesting that even the, in the beginning, oh, they don't think he can do it. And then he gets the part and it changes his life. Those, those moments don't happen all the time. Gotta remember, this was almost things happen energy happens and then you're in the film with Anne Bancroft and Buck Henry asks you that proverbial question how are you very well thank you may I have a drink a drink of course he didn't see me where Martini. Yes, ma'am. You don't have to be so nervous, you know. Nervous? Well, I am a bit nervous. I mean, it's pretty hard to be so awful here. Did you get us a room? What? Have you gotten us a room yet? I haven't, no. Do you want to? Well, I don't. I mean, I could. Or we could just talk. You want me to get it? You? Oh, no, no, I'll get it. Do you want to get it now? Now. Yes. Well, I don't know. Why don't you get it? Well, I don't think of it. Well, I will then, if you'll excuse me. Single room or a double room? 
single just for myself, please. Just sign the register, please. Anything wrong, sir? What? No, nothing. Luggage, Mr. Gladstone? Luggage? Yes, yes, I do. Where is it? What? And where is your luggage? Oh, it's in the car. It's, it's out there in the car. Very good, sir. I'll have a porter bring it in. Oh, no. I mean, I, I'd rather not go to all the trouble of bringing it all in. I just have the toothbrush. I can get it myself. That's all right. Of course. I'll have a porter show you the room. Oh, well, actually, I... Just as soon find it myself. I just have a toothbrush to carry up, and I, I can handle it myself. Whatever you say, sir. Thank you. Mrs. Robinson? Yes. For you. Thank you. Hello? Mrs. Robinson? Yes. It's Benjamin. Yes? Benjamin Braddock. Benjamin, where are you? Can you look through the glass? Can you see me now? Yes, I can. I got a single rule. That's fine. But there's one thing. The desk clerk seemed to be a little bit suspicious. Now, I don't know what the policy is. Well, do you want to go up first? Yes, I think that would be good. I'll be up in five minutes. Oh, goodbye then. Benjamin. Yes. Isn't there something you want to tell me? Tell you? Yes. Well, I want you to know how much I appreciate this. Really. The number. What? The room number, Benjamin. I think you ought to tell me that. You're absolutely <laughs> The room number. He's so nervous. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Oh. With Dustin Hoffman, it's all about moments. Moments like this. Or like that. Oh, goodness. These these commercials, sometimes I just... I know. It's the bait and switch. It's, it's part of it. And if we can get the clip that we... Ah! With these gals that want to buy it, most of them are old and dignified. Social registered types, you know what I mean? They can't be trotting down at Times Square to pick out the merchandise. They gotta have some kind of uh, middleman. And that's where old Daniel comes in, you know what I mean? Hey, I'm walking here! I'm walking here! Up yours, you son of a bitch! You don't talk me that way! Get out of here! That's Dustin Hoffman and... John Voight in Midnight Cowboy went on to win Best Picture 1969. I've seen so many of his films. I love when TCM plays them. And then you have Dustin Hoffman doing this. Just sit there and you'll learn something. 
Armstrong Custer for what he was. And I also know the Indians for what they was. One hundred and eleven years ago, when I was ten years old, my family been crossing the Great Plains was wiped out. He was a sole survivor of Custard's last stand. Think about that. Think about these films, these performances. And then he does something brave. And he plays Lenny Bruce in the film Lenny. You see, the trouble is, is that we all live in a happy ending culture. A what should be culture instead of a what is culture. We're all taught that fantasy. But if we were taught this is what is, I think we'd be less screwed up. Think what I mean. I'd like to show you people some really dirty pictures that relate to your daughter, my daughter. These are some pictures of the Kennedy assassination. Now, I say these are dirty pictures because the captions are bullshit. Never for an instant did she think of flight. Now that's bullshit. That's my conclusion. Time Magazine's conclusion is that this woman was trying to get out of the car to get help or trying to help the Secret Service man aboard. That's their conclusion and we buy it. But I think she did the normal thing, man. When the president got it, bam, and the governor got it, bam, she tried to get the hell out of there. But they want us to believe this bullshit. They want my daughter, our daughters, if the husbands get their faces shot off someday and they try to haul ass to save their asses, if they do the normal thing, then they'll feel guilty and shitty because they're not like that good woman in the fantasy. And it's a dirty lie to tell the people that if you're good, you stay, and if you're bad, you run because she didn't stay. Fuck it, man, she didn't stay. People don't stay. No, people don't stay. That was Dustin Hoffman playing Lenny Bruce. A lot of what performers take for granted. Lenny Bruce really put himself out there and sacrificed. And it was such a beautiful portrait of how Dustin Hoffman played him. And then sometimes... Life imitates art and art imitates life. And in 1979, Meryl Streep and Dustin Hoffman played a couple who were going through a divorce in Kramer versus Kramer. And I remember watching it as a kid. I'd seen it years later because I I wasn't I wasn't here yet. I wasn't in 1979. I was born 1980, but I wasn't watching films then. You know, sucking my thumb. And I remember being a little kid and watching Kramer versus Kramer, 
and not understanding why things like that happen. For their performances, Dustin Hoffman and Meryl Streep both won Oscars. The film won an Oscar. And then we cut. (sighs) Such a powerful performance. 1988's Rain Man. Dustin Hoffman wins his second Oscar. Here we go. Emotional outbursts this past week? What do you mean? Well, the things they tend to do when 
bodily harm on themselves. Okay, huh? yeah, a couple of times. A couple of times? Okay, he had what you call an outburst at the airport because he didn't want to fly. So we didn't fly. Uh-huh, and when was the last outburst that he had? This morning. This morning. I, I, I mean, this is bullshit because I can huh? tell you, I, I can tell you anything, I can tell you nothing. What is best for Raymond? Whether or not he's capable of functioning in the community and what in fact he wants, if that's possible to determine. Raymond's unable to make those kind of decisions. Charlie, you know he can't decide for himself. He's capable of a lot more. Why don't we ask Raymond, maybe we can find a few answers. Raymond, can I ask you a few questions? I'm afraid the doctor's talking to you. Yeah. Raymond, can I ask you a few questions? Yeah. Do you want to stay with your brother, Charlie? Raymond, would you like to stay with your brother, Charlie, in Los Angeles? Ray, the doctor's asking you a question. So you listen, okay, right? Yeah. Raymond, do you want to stay with your brother, Charlie? Raymond, do you want to stay with your brother, Charlie? Yeah. You do? Yeah. Do you want to stay with your brother? Yeah. You can stay with my brother, Charlie, Pepper. That's what you want? Yeah. Do you want to stay with your brother? Yeah. Can I ask you something else, Raymond? Yeah. You want to go back to Walbrook? Yeah. Raymond, can you make a distinction between your brother and Walbrook? Yeah. Raymond, do you want to stay with your brother Charlie here in Los Angeles? Yeah. Or do you want to go back to Walbrook? Yeah. They're two separate things. Yeah, stay okay. with your brother stay or go back, brother, to go back to Walbrook? Not one thing, Raymond. Okay. This is your brother. Can you make yeah. a choice? Yeah, go back to Walbrook, stay with Charlie Babb. Okay. Back to Walbrook, stay with my brother Charlie. No, no, no. Okay. It's just everything. Can you make Look. that choice, one yeah. or the other? Yeah, go back to Walbrook. All right, all right, all right. Stay back to Powerful film. Dustin Hoffman won his second Oscar. The film won Best Picture. It was illuminating. And then we're going to end here. He did so many films. He continues to do so many films. And then in 1991... Opposite, the late Robin Williams. He played Captain Hook. It was a moment. It was legendary. It was Hook versus Pan. 
In fact, Dustin Hoffman got a Golden Globe nomination just for this role. I thought, let's let's end it a beloved co- classic. There will always be daggers bearing notes, I'm James Hook. They will be flung at the doors of your children's children's children. Do you hear me? What happens is, if you because you can't see, this is a podcast. 
It's revealed that Hook is really bald underneath that big giant wig of his. And that is the brilliance of Dustin Hoffman. Or as his good friend Gene Hackman, a really great actor, also calls him Dusty. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about his career, his films. Yes, I am aware of the harassment. I'm aware of it. And he addressed it. We're not going to talk about it. But I'm aware of it. And I'm aware that men in his position are responsible. And they're responsible for choices that they make. Whether they be good or bad. That's how I wanted to say that. So Dustin Hoffman, the consummate actor and performer, Unpleasant Dreams. <laughs> 